No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we'll look at Psalm 2, which deals with the nations rebelling against God and God establishing His King. We'll also study Psalm 3, a cry for deliverance when David fled from his son Absalom. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. Do you ever feel that you just don't belong in this world? Lately, as I have been watching the news, I have felt more like a stranger here than ever before. Knowing how good God is to those who love Him, it baffles me when people rail against Him, rejecting His commandments and despising His authority and the authority He has designated to man. I realize I'm probably naive, but I honestly believe that if people knew how good God is, then why wouldn't they want to worship Him, especially when we consider the alternative of rejecting Him and dying in one's own sins? But as Jesus said, the way leading to destruction is broad, and many are going that way. Now, Psalm 2 does not tell us who wrote it, but in Acts 4.15, we are told that David was the author. It is quoted or alluded to at least 18 times in the New Testament, more than any other psalm. It's a messianic psalm, meaning that it's quoted in the New Testament as referring to Jesus Christ. It speaks of his coronation as king and of his ultimate inheritance of the nations. But it begins with the nations in rebellion against God's rule. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So David begins with really a question like it's almost unbelieving. It's incredible that the nations should rage and plot a vain thing against the Lord because they're bound to lose. Now, he says it's a conspiracy. The kings of the earth have set themselves and the rulers have taken counsel together. They have decided that they are going to rebel against the Lord and his anointed one. That word anointed refers to the Messiah, the Christ. And they want to break off their bonds and pieces and cast away their cords from them. Warren Wiersbe points out that this is the picture of a stubborn and raging animal trying to break the cords that bind the yoke to its body. But it's a futile attempt because the only freedom comes from submitting to God and doing His will. God is the one who gives us freedom. Freedom without authority is truly anarchy, and anarchy destroys. Now, I've been watching the news regarding the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone in Seattle, also known as CHAZ, and now it's called the Capitol Hill Occupied Protest Zone, or CHOP for short. And the whole idea there is this six-block area where there is no rule, no p- 
police rule, no authority. They are autonomous. Recently, there were two shootings in the CHOP, one of which ended up killing a man. Police say they tried to respond but were thwarted by the protesters who didn't want them there. One woman who lives next to CHOP posted on social media that she was looking for an alternative place to live. Now, she said, I am a liberal and supporter of Black Lives Matter. I am, however, being held hostage in my place by the occupied protests. I can't get to and from my apartment safely. I have been verbally harassed and physically threatened by occupants. Now, that just illustrates what happens when people want freedom, but they don't want authority. Soon, the freedom of others is no longer respected. Verse 4. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. So the picture here is of God sitting in heaven on his throne, laughing at the foolishness of puny people who will be so futile in their attempt to resist him and his ultimate justice. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. Now, we love to hear about God's love as well we should. There's nothing else like it. But we must never forget about his wrath against sin. A God who lacks either the resolve or the ability to judge wickedness and enforce righteousness is impotent. And God is far from impotent. But more importantly, God has established his king the Messiah, the Anointed One in Jerusalem. And that's why we call this a Messianic Psalm. It's referring to Jesus Christ. God has entrusted all judgment to Christ. Because God dwells in eternity, from His perspective, this has already happened, even though we haven't yet seen it in time and space. But Christ's reign on earth is inevitable. He is coming soon. Verse 7, I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. We see here that Christ was prophesied in the Old Testament to be not merely human, but also deity. He is the only begotten Son of God. And yet, we know from John's Gospel that in the beginning he was with God and, in fact, is God. That is, he is completely divine in nature. Now, this is a wonderful passage because God the Father tells his Son to ask him and he will give him the nations as his inheritance. Now, how many of us know that whatever the Son asks for from His Father, He receives? Again, in eternity, this is a done deal. The Father has already given His Son all authority in heaven and on earth, but we haven't seen that yet here. Sadly, for now, Satan is still the ruler of this world, but soon that will change. Praise God. According to Revelation 19, Jesus Christ will return to earth riding a white horse and will execute the wrath of God against the Antichrist and all who follow after him against all those who have rejected 
God's authority and his leadership in his son, Jesus Christ. When he comes, he will strike them with his sharp sword coming from his mouth, that is his word, and he will rule over them with a rod of iron. He will break them to pieces as though they were nothing but clay pots. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings, be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are those who put their trust in him. So be wise, you kings, and be instructed, you judges of the earth. They should be serving as those who know they shall give an account before God and before his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, they should serve him with fear and rejoice. Yes, we must rejoice. God has given us that privilege, but we rejoice with trembling. That is understanding that we will give an account to God. Kiss the son. Now, in those days, to show your honor and respect of a sovereign, they would extend their hand, you would kiss the hand. And that's the idea here is the kiss of submission, but also the kiss of affection, the kiss of love. Kiss the sun, lest you perish in your way because his anger can rise up in a moment. Blessed are those who trust in him. And that's ultimately God's desire is not to bring judgment and destruction to rebellious people, but truly that they would repent and submit to the Son, Jesus Christ. Now, in Psalm 3, we are told that David wrote this while he was fleeing from his son Absalom. The story is found in 2 Samuel 15, 13-17. Absalom had formed a conspiracy against his father. So David had to flee Jerusalem with his loyal officials, leaving his concubines behind he didn't know if he would ever return. Psalm 3. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Selah. You know, it's bad enough to have ordinary enemies against you who threaten your life, but I can't imagine how painful it would be to have your own son as the ringleader against you. Wherever David turned, he saw people rallying against him and cursing him. And for a man like David, the most slanderous and cutting thing that could be said was that there was no hope for him in God. So David then uses the word Selah. Now we don't know exactly what this means, but it is thought to be a musical expression like a rest. It's used in many of the Psalms. The idea is to pause and to contemplate what has just been said. It's to give some space to meditate on the truth that has been shared. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. The Lord was a shield to David, not an ordinary shield. He was a shield all around him, like a force field. Many times David was downcast, but God lifted up his head and set his own glory upon him. His servant. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. David had a personal history of answered prayer. So many times when he was in the wilderness running from Saul, God had heard and answered 
his prayers. God had proven himself faithful over and over again. We must remember this when we are going through dire straits where we see no hope, no solution. God's past faithfulness demands our present trust. Selah. I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Selah. David had tremendous confidence in the Lord's salvation, and so should we. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, the way has been opened to us to access the throne of grace. God opened the way and invites us to call upon his name in the day of trouble. The name of Jesus means Yahweh saves, and we can trust in his salvation. Again, David had a tremendous history of God dealing with his enemies and giving him victory. Likewise, we can trust the Lord to deal with our enemy, the devil, for his blessing is upon his people. I love the Psalms because they deal with real world problems and heavenly solutions. My hope and prayer is that these psalms will lift up your head to see that God is for you and not against you when you kiss the sun and call upon his name. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow, we'll look at two more Psalms of David. In Psalm 4, he celebrates the gladness, peace, and safety he has in the Lord. Psalm 5 is a morning prayer for guidance and justice. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible.